How's that? Can you hear me, guys? That's a bit of a silly question when Alf speaks. Can you hear me? I mean, most people hear me without a microphone, but never mind. Okay, how are you doing? You okay? All set for a, a word from God today that I trust will change your lives, because otherwise, why bother coming? Um, the word of God is not an exercise in how much knowledge can you gain, although that might be helpful. It's, uh, it's meant to be something that we read so that we encounter a person. That's what it's all about. So today, my prayer is that we're going to encounter a person. We're going to meet with God as we come to his word. We're not going to go away saying, hey, I can recite Psalm 46. That's wonderful. I want you to go home today and say, God is awesome. He's mighty. He's able to do everything that I need him to be able to do to get me through to the place where I need to be in his purposes. So a quick um, thing to say to you is this. I thought today, one of my family members told me it was a bit cheesy. So you might think it is a bit cheesy, but here it is. I'm not going to read the psalm to you today. I'm going to play the psalm with a guy singing it. So if you turn to Psalm 46 now, ready? Psalm 46, we're going to have the psalm sung rather than sp spoken. Don't worry, I'm not going sort of free Presbyterian Church of Scotland, okay, where they sing psalms in Gaelic. I don't even know Gaelic, I can't do that. But we're going to, sit, we're going to have a sung psalm today, and this is the reading. Go for it, Cal, hit the button. Sounds like Asda, doesn't it? It's a bit, bit cheesy introduction. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Feel free to join in with the refrain. The Lord Almighty is with us. Oh, the Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is a fortress 
For the Lord Almighty is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Thanks, Cal. I don't know about you, but whether you like the tune or not, it's really helpful to get the Word of God into your heart. And I find that sometimes singing the Word of God is one way to do that, to get that Word in you so that it dwells in you richly. So have a little think about that. I don't care what style it is. Give it some... I don't really care what style it is. Get any style you like, as long as the Word of God gets into your heart and you, you bear fruit. Okay, quick background to Psalm 46, because it's important when we look at God's Word to understand a little bit of context. Here's the bottom line. The people of God are surrounded by their enemies. It's looking bleak. They're going to lose. And they cry, the psalmist says, let's cry out to God for help because we've got no chance. And they cry out to God for help and God shows up. Is there anybody in the room who can testify that they've had difficult times and God shows up? And this is what happens. They have this terrible situation where their enemies are surrounding them. That we're talking here in the realm of the physical. It was a physical battle. They're surrounded by their enemies. They're coming to get them. There's no hope. And they cry out to God. And God delivers them. Now, we've maybe some of us uh, had a different sort of deliverance. Some of us may have come, actually, from war-tour countries where we've had to escape war, physical war. But some of us, or most of us, probably can realize that we've had wars that have been happening in our lives. Who understands me here? Satan is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he does. That's his nature. He's a liar. The Bible says that. Al's not making it up. He is a liar. His natural language is to tell lies. That's what he does. Just as I speak English with a Scottish accent, he speaks lies with his own particular accent. He knows what he's doing. And he had us gripped for years. But thank God for Jesus. Jesus has set us free. We're no longer under his dominion. We're under a new dominion. We're under a new king now with a new kingdom. King Jesus. He's among us today. By the way, everybody's welcome, but especially, Jesus, you're very welcome by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that when we stand up and we worship? Just get excited about this. We stand up and you worship, you jump up and down, whatever you do. The Spirit of God is here. It's not a club. We don't just happen to be a club that looks for a venue. The Spirit of God is in this room today with us. I don't know about you, but that changes things for me. Amazing. But three things to tell you today. You'll be thinking, oh, that's quite good. It's normally seven or eight. Okay, three major things. Here's the first one. And God's at work today. I know that God's at work. And I know that we're in the flow because of what's gone before the preach. The first thing God gave me to tell you is this. Faith, not fear. 
That's the first thing if you want to take some notes. Faith, not fear. I want you to notice something really, really important. The psalmist takes a look up and he says, God is our refuge and strength, a never-present help in trouble. And then he says, we will not fear. Now, come on, let's be honest, heart to heart here. Here's what we do sometimes. We look at the circumstances and we fear. And what the psalmist says is, if you want to break fear over your life, you need to take a look up. If you look round about you, you've lost your job or you've lost someone precious to you or your marriage is a bit rocky or your single life, you're struggling like mad and you're lonely or sometimes people can be married and be lonely, by the way. Okay? All these things going on about you, you look at your issues, you look at the things in your life and you think, oh my goodness, the economic crisis. It's one thing after another, you turn the tail and can I suggest something? Maybe watch the news a bit less. It's okay to watch the news, and as Christians, we should watch the news, and we should pray into what's happening in the world, sure. But what you've got to watch is, and I've got to watch my heart as well and protect it. If you watch the news all the time, you can get overwhelmed with the need in the world and how desperately sad and broken the world is. And there comes a point where you think, So be careful. Be careful with that. Faith, not fear. The psalmist looks up. What does he do? He sees how awesome God is and then he says will not fear you get me I can move on if you got me you got me Roxy's nodding good hands nodding you got me a big God is able to break every fear but we our responsibility is to look up to see how great he is then he says though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with a surging. And later on he says, nations are in uproar. Too right they are. Kingdoms fall. Everything run about this guy. It's desperate. In fact, when I read this, uh, I'm no scientist, but when I read this, I thought it looked a bit like global warming or something. Stuff around you was like collapsing. He looks around him and he's able to say, we will not fear. So as believers in Jesus, we have this birthright that's ours. Some of you may look at me and think, what, are you serious? We, I, do not have to live in fear. Don't believe me. Go to the word of God. Roy corrected me, probably disagree with him, but you look it up on Google, How many times does it say in the Bible, fear not? Roy said 366, I said 365. There's one for every day. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Yeah, get a rap going if you want to. Fear not. Why is it that God says all these hundreds of times, fear not? Because he knows it's a problem. In my heart and your heart sometimes. And faith over fear is what I'm going to choose for. How about you? I want to choose for faith over fear. Not because I manufacture it. Not because I whip up fear. Faith rather, I beg your pardon. It's not because you whip it up. It's because God speaks to us. He reveals us. Faith comes by hearing and by the word of Christ. When God speaks to us and faith comes, we say we'll stand on what God says. We said it in that song today. I shall not, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. 
So let me encourage you. He's an ever-present help. The Jewish people probably had a name for God that you might never have heard of. Jehovah, Shammah. It means the Lord, ever-present. In fact, one translation says, um, the Lord is there. How about that? You're in the middle of your battles. You're in the middle of, you're going down. And the Lord is right there, right in amongst you. So whatever you're facing today, brothers and sisters, the Lord is here right now. He's here, present help. Not the great I was or the great I will be, although that's true. The great I am right now. I am. How does it work? I'll tell you how it works because I'm not talking a lot of rubbish here. I understand this myself. It happens to me. Here's how it goes with these lies. You don't have the necessary qualifications to achieve that. Anybody ever heard that one? There's a history of heart disease in your family. You're next. That was mine. Mum's cousin, 35, dropped dead on a fishing trip. Boom, dead. My grandmother dropped dead in a shop. 72, keeled over in Iceland, died. Mum's got heart issues. Enemy says to me, you're next. You'll die of a heart attack. No, I won't. No, I won't. If it's down to you feeding me lies, I'm going to live every single day I have from my Father in heaven with the energy and the strength and the power that he gives me until the day I go. And when the day I go, I'll be ready to go. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. You're next. That's what he says to us. Where are you going to get the finances to be able to do that? Don't you know how poor you are? My God shall supply all. All I need to be able to accomplish all he calls me to accomplish. And that's true for you too. Come on, guys. You're looking at me. You there? <laughs> You're there? I could add hundreds, yeah? Hundreds of things that the enemy says to me. You're too ugly. You're too this. You, you know, you, whatever. You know the stuff. That's the world we live in. The battle is not a physical battle. The battle's between your ears. For the enemy lies to us. We are a people of faith. We trust God. He's a good God. We, we, we love him. We trust him. We know that the faith life is the life that we choose for and not the fear life. Here's a little quote here. I don't think, I did put it up there from Bill Johnson. It says this, fear becomes our heart's response when we come into agreement with Satan's intimidating suggestions. He suggests things to us, Satan. He drops them in. And let's be honest, and I'll put my hand up, there are times where we believe it rather than what the word of God says about us. We want to be people who believe what God says about us because God's voice is the only one that's most important. All other voices come down beneath that for sure. We sang today, didn't we? Didn't we? He has delivered me from all fear. I think I said this a few weeks ago. I think the only fear that I can find in the Bible that's for me, that's a beautiful thing to embrace, is the fear of the Lord. That's the only fear I want to embrace. That healthy, awe-filled love and respect for my Father in heaven. That's the only fear the believer wants to embrace. All other fears have to go. Can I say something from my heart today? Please, don't settle for saying, 
well, I'm a little bit less fearful than before. That's great. Praise God and we rejoice. Don't settle there. Settle for elimination of all fear. Because that's what God has for us. All fear. I don't want to see it. We're recorded, aren't we? Yeah? I'm not saying then because the present circumstances where I am. But I've got some fears as well. The enemy puts in my heart. Along the lines of back off, step back a wee bit. Don't, don't be so enthusiastic. Make sure you're very careful. Yeah, you know the stuff. Some of you, I'm looking at some of you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it might cost you this. It might cost you that. You might get in trouble there. You might get in trouble there. And we had a chat last week about this. Those of us who have jobs in certain sectors, you know, you've got to watch what you say. You've got to be careful what you stand up for. You've got to be careful in case you get in trouble, you get the sack and all that. And the enemy comes and says, ah, you could get ditched next. You could get the sack. You could get in trouble. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to shut up about Jesus and the gospel. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus whenever I get the opportunity. I'm not going to ram it down their throat. I'm not going to be insensitive. I'm going to tell them the good news because I'm not going to live in fear. What's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is I lose my job and God will still provide for me anyway. That's not an advocation of being stupid. Right? But it's an advocation of the worst thing that can happen is whatever the enemy does to me or tries to do to me, my father will look after me and he'll care for me and he'll watch over me. Because when you stand up for what's right in the right attitude and by the power of the Spirit, God will bless you. He will bless you. Okay, let's move on. The second thing I want to say is this. After faith over fear, presence, not panic. Presence, not panic. Let's look at the verses. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. The Lord Almighty is with us. And the God of Jacob is a fortress. And later on it says it again. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is a fortress. I said to Deb's the other day, my wife, when I look back on my younger years, I'm so... I wasn't planning to say this, but I'm going to say it because it might be helpful to some people. In my younger years in the church, there was a great emphasis on reading the Word of God and the basic disciplines of the Christian life, prayer, life of prayer, sharing the good news with others, and so on. And I'm not knocking that. But I look back and I think some of, some of the times in my early years in my youth, um, I was so avid to read the Scriptures. And although that was helpful for me in many ways to get to know the Scriptures, did I encounter His presence? as much as I did just reading the scriptures. Is anybody hearing me here? It's good to read the word of God. We want to raise our children to read the word of God. But as I said earlier, do we encounter him when we read the word of God? When we come to, when we come to pray, what, do, do we meet with him? Or do we just go through a prayer time or a reading of a, a scripture time? Because that's the scripture for today. So hear my heart. I'm not knocking prayer times and I'm not knocking reading the Bible it's all good but we want to meet with a person who's the author I want his presence and so often let's be honest I put my hand up so often other things get in the way and they're good things sometimes they're not like necessarily evil sinful things they're just other things get in the way I want him I want his presence. I want to know that my life's been touched by him. I don't just want to quote verses to you. I want, we've been praying before the service today. Maybe you don't even know Jesus yet. 
You're thinking, what's this all about? It's weird. Well, I want you to walk away today being changed. I want you to get to know him and to love him. And the word of God is a beautiful, God-inspired truth, truths that help us to get to know him better. I don't want to go old school on you, right? But in the last church I was in, there was an older guy who used to quote old hymns. And I used to think, when I was sitting there, I used to think, does he not want to quote any slightly more modern ones? He always quotes the old ones. And I thought, I must make sure I never become like that. Guess what? (laughs) Guess what? I've become a bit like that. Right, so I'm not going to tell you who sings this on YouTube because you look it up, you'll probably go down a path that's maybe not great theology for you, but I'll just quote the song. This is what God brought to my memory. I won't do a Roy, okay? I won't sing it to you, right? I'm not royalist to sing it to you. No, no, that's good. I'm, I'm all for that. But it's called this. It's called, There is a river and it flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water, there's a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. Those words are beautiful because what's happening here is the river speaks of his presence. Now, back in the day, in Psalm 46, his presence was very much contained in Jerusalem and the temple amongst his people. But as New Testament Christians, we understand that his presence has gone way, way, way further than that now. He's here today, and yet he's at C3 down the road, and he's at the Equippers, and you name it, where a group of great Christians meet and they worship Jesus. You know, he's in different places, and his presence is among his people. How cool is that? From, from Iceland to Australia. I'm not very good at geography, help me. From the east to the west, from the south to the north, I'll go that way, that's easier. His presence is with his people. So even today in a tiny wee shack or you're, whether you're in a cathedral or a beautiful building, you can experience the presence of God. Or whether you're walking down the street, his presence can come and touch your life. What does it say? It says his river, from his presence, flow out streams. <laughs> this is great. There's a stream here today of his presence. And it's a holy place because he's here. But listen to this. It says that it makes us glad. His presence makes us glad. Now, I can think of plenty of examples in my upbringing where his presence made us sad. And sometimes I used to think, what? I appreciate you want to be reverent. I appreciate you want to be respectful. But you can also have joy. This is the beauty of communion, isn't it? On the one hand, sometimes we weep when we think what Jesus went through for us. And that's appropriate. There's other times we jump up and down. We can't help ourselves because that price that was paid has helped us. And his resurrection too has helped us to come into new life in him. He has made us glad. Now, that does not mean that every single week we gather or in our home groups or life groups when we gather, it doesn't mean we're walking about with some sort of cheesy smile all the time when your life's going pretty pants. Okay, I get that. But the church, generally speaking, as a body, the church should be the place you come to for joy. Not criticizing you. If you want to go nightclub and that's your choice, 
I don't want to go nightclub because first of all, it'd be a major embarrassment to myself and to my family anyway, if you've tried to see me dance. Uh, jumping up and down is kind of okay. Some people call me Tigger, okay? That's I'm just a spiritual Tigger. You know, that's fair enough. I can cope with that. But no fancy moves, please, all right? And um, you can go there. You can go to other places. You can have a nice time, okay? Not being all religious about it. But you can, have, you can have a good time. But there's nothing quite like his presence when his people gather. It's a different dynamic. It's totally different. And I want to encourage you, church, every week we come together, every time we meet together, are you expecting to be with him and to meet his presence? That's what I want you to be like. That's what I want to encourage the whole church to be like. When I was in the holidays just recently, um, I wasn't trying to be a he-man, but you know, when you go to the seaside, I don't know if it's a, it's a male thing, any guys in the room feel that when you go to the seaside, you kind of have to feel like you've got this together when you go into the sea. You know, you've got to look like you're quite hard. You know, do you know what I mean? So when you, when you go up to the water, you sort of roll on, you think, oh my word, this is blooming freezing, man. <laughs> yeah, bless you, bless you, have a nice day. Then you walk a bit more. I better watch where I'm going here. He goes, <laughs> oh, it's a little bit cold. All right, and then eventually you jump right in, you get under and you swim, you go, what a man. Sad, isn't it, girl? Sorry, really sad, really sad. But you feel like you've got to sort of be something. But see, on a serious note, you go in, yeah, and it's round your ankles. You think, that's ah, okay. And you go a little bit more. It gets to your knees. You think, ah, it's okay. And then, and then you go, oh, it's your waist. And then eventually you go, Boris, I might as well just jump right in. Oh, and then you go and you swim. Now, why am I telling you that? You think, that's a silly story, Alistair. No, 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 no. Listen to this. Psalm 40, eh, sorry, Ezekiel 47. Read it when you go home. Ezekiel 47, 1 to, 1 to 12. There's a beautiful story about the river that comes from the presence of God. And it starts by coming up to your ankles. Guess what? That means you have to get in. You have to get in. You can stand back and go, that's a nice wee splash. Very nice. You can get in. And then what happens is there's a flow of his presence that then goes up to your knees. And you think, whoa. And then there's a, a continual flow of God's presence that goes right up to your waist. And in the next part of the scripture, it doesn't say it goes over your head. It just says it gets so deep, you swim in it. Now, what's that mean? That means that there are measures of his presence that we can experience when we gather together. Can I say something? Maybe a bit controversial. I love this church and I love the times we have to meet together with God and I love the worship and I love the teaching and I love being with you guys. But can I say something? I think we're still at the ankle stage. I think we're still at the ankle stage. A little bit splashing about. That's not a condemning word. That's a provocation. Let's go to the knee. Let's go to the waist. Let's go right in and swim. That's not normally the way I dive, but I was just peeping. Yeah, not that bad. But you get me. Does anybody get me here? What does that look like? Here's what I think it looks like. Paul says in Corinthians, there's a guy or two, a few people in the congregation who are visiting or coming among us. Here's what happens. They hear prophetic words that go boom right into their lives speak deeply into their hearts. This is what they say. Surely God is in 
this place. I think that's where we want to be. I want people to come here. I want people to invite their friends. And we're in the middle of holding up Jesus, lifting him up, blessing his name. And somebody comes to the friend who's invited them and said, oh, by the way, you know that arthritis in my knee, uh, it's just gone completely while you guys were worshipping. And uh, do you know what? When that guy was just, or that lady was just sharing the story about how they came to faith, I, I, I want to I receive Jesus, I'm ready. I want to give my whole life to Jesus. Now, some of you might say to me, oh, you've got you to understand this process here. Yes, this process. What's your heart longing for? My heart's longing for a point for the NHS. Send people to this church because they know if they send them here, this is the place where they'll get healed. I want the army to send people here who've been traumatized by the effects of war because they know that there's emotional and healing power in the name of Jesus to help them. I want children from our schools to come here because they know that they can encounter the power of God and experience a true, real Christianity that's life-changing. That's what I want our church to look like. Is there anybody else on the same page? Yeah, it's good what we've got. I'm blessed. I am so, so blessed. But I am not, I'll say this to you and to the other elders too, we're not going to settle for this. We don't settle. We want to swim in the river. Isn't there a song by Delirium? I want to dance in the river, swim in the river, splash around, love his presence, and love what he does among us. I, I must go on, man. I'll be here to, you know, the chicken's ready. All right. Some people are hesitant to get in the river. I saw a guy, he might even have been a French guy when I was in France, funnily enough, and um, he, <laughs> it does happen, and uh, <laughs> He went in, and he, he's a body beautiful and all that, you know, and then he goes, and he's, he's standing in there, and he's got a few young ladies around him, he's, I don't know, he's just been friendly, I chat them all, and he, and, he, and he stood there the whole time. I thought, come on, you big chicken, get in there. <laughs> get, get in the river, jump in, start swimming, mate. And he just kind of stood around. And some of us are a little bit like that, aren't we? Let's be honest sometimes. I've been in meetings before, when the power of God's so present, you think, what's going on here, man? It's a bit strange. Bit weird, maybe. Now we've got to be careful. We can't be counterfeit, we know that. But when we're honoring Jesus, we're lifting him up and exalting him and inviting his presence, we have confidence that he wants to come and touch our lives. So let me encourage you. Let's not settle for the ankles or the knees or the waist. Let's get right in. Jump right into his presence. Love being with him, splashing around, going underwater doing lots of fun stuff, getting the old goggles on and going underneath and having a look and not seeing much because it's so filthy. All right, that's what happens. Usually you try to find the fish, they're not there, unless you go somewhere more exotic like the Maldives or something like that. Okay. I want to encourage you. I had this one or two little, two or three little prophetic impressions. Here's one. I felt the Lord put in my heart today that some of us are a little bit like our back garden. A bit yellow. A bit arid, a bit dry. You know what I'm saying this season? Your, your grass, your grass in this season, if you don't water it, it just goes yellowy colour. It just goes dehydrated. Some of us are a bit dehydrated. Some of us are a bit lacking in water. I want to encourage you, respond today. Come for prayer. Receive a fresh touch of the water of life, all right? Because you want to be green. 
I don't mean just environmentally. You want to be green. You don't want to be a yellow colour where you look out in your garden and you think, oh my word. Now, those of you those of you who've been to our home generally look at our garden anyway and go, even if it is green, my goodness, these people are obviously not gifted with the pleasure of gardening. Forgive us for those who love gardening, all right? Let's, Jesus, quickly. My goodness, I'm a hurry, hurry up. Jesus was at a wedding in Cana. His presence was so strong. His mother says, do whatever he tells you. End of. End of. Do whatever he tells you. And the rest is history, as they say. The water becomes wine. And they have a great party because Jesus is there. One of my funniest ones, I still laugh at this. There's a storm going on. <laughs> There's a storm going on up the back of the boat. <laughs> Jesus is having a nap. <laughs> Anybody else find this quite amusing? I find it hilarious. So I'm like, the, the waves, the winds, everyone's going bonkers. And Jesus is up the back of the boat going, having a snooze. Not only does it tell us about his humanity, but he's absolutely chilled in the midst of a storm. He knew the presence of the Spirit of God. He's chilled. I sometimes think to myself, why was Jesus so calm? Was he just tired? Maybe. Yeah, that's fair enough. Let's, let's not over-spiritualize it. But do you know what? I actually think he was having a snooze because he was absolutely chilled about the outcome. He knew where he was going. He's in the boat. Whatever happens, he'll be okay. We'll sort it. And when I was um, preparing for today, I actually felt the Lord just say something to me, not audibly, but put in my heart. Someone today or some here today are struggling with sleep actually struggling with sleep because you're worried about the outcome. Jesus was able to sleep, not worried about the outcome. And I felt God put in my heart, there's maybe one or two here today who are struggling to sleep because you're worrying about an outcome. And I feel just very, very simply, the Lord just wants to say, peace, be still. So that you know the peace and the calm bringing the storm right down to quiet so you can sleep. And the sign that he's touched you will be that you'll be able to sleep better than you've been sleeping. That's something you can respond to if you think that's for you. Okay. We don't have Jesus physically with us, generally, anymore. But we have his Holy Spirit in us and we have his power upon us if we're open for that so that we can experience what he wants to do just as if he was in the room physically. Does that make sense? So the presence of the Holy Spirit among us and functioning through us to bless others is just like Jesus being here physically. Now, let me tell you something shocking. I found this quite shocking, right? Oops. Jesus said in John 16 to his disciples, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good. You're good. But I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. Can you imagine these guys' the reaction? What on earth? We saw water into wine. We saw Lazarus raised up from the dead from a stinky, smelly grave after four days. Coming wrapped, wrapped like he's in Andrex. I mean, wrapped in all this uh, uh, cloth. We've seen 5,000, possibly 15,000 if you count wives and kids, fed. You're going away, Jesus. What? How is that better for us? How is that good news? But it is. Because Jesus said, 
that we would do greater things. Some people try to over-spiritualize this, but greater things means greater things. I'm not going to apologize and sort of explain away the Bible. Greater things we'll do, the same things and greater things that, 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 he's, that he's been doing, which is incredible. I'm going to have to chop this a little bit. Let's just say briefly, in the Old Testament, those that love God, the Holy Spirit was with them and upon them sometimes for special occasions, for special things to do. As New Testament believers, we have something even more precious. He lives in us. Not just with us or upon us. He lives in us. He's a permanent residing person. By the way, I should probably just say this pastorally. He's not an it. He's a he. Okay? He's a person. He has a personality. You're not indwelt by a net. You're indwelt by a person, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. But the other thing to say is this. You can be, this is maybe a shock to some, you can be a believer and know the Holy Spirit living within you, but not know him upon you. That is a release of his power upon you. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, every day I've told you, I'll keep telling you, every day pretty much I wake up, Lord Jesus, fill me. Use whatever language you like. I'm not going to follow it with you, but language, I'm more concerned whether you're experiencing the power of the Spirit of God. If you want to say, Jesus, baptize me afresh, all right. If you want to say, Jesus, fill me afresh, all right. My biggest passion is I want to see the evidence of the power of God among his people. Okay, I'm not going to follow it with the exact terminology all the time. Are you thirsty? Is anyone thirsty? I'm thirsty. Are you thirsty? Sometimes people look at my life and they go, oh, he's quite enthusiastic. Leave him alone. We'll pray for somebody else. No, no. Andy Blissom comes up today. Prays for me. Pray for me. Pray for each other. Don't just pray for the ones that seem to be less enthusiastic or less, you know, what's the word? Outgoing. We all need all of us need more fresh filling with the Holy Spirit of God so that he's upon us in power. And one writer said this, that um, I kind of get the gist of what they're trying to say. And it was this, the Holy Spirit is in, in me for my sake and upon me for yours. I think what the writer's trying to say is this, the Spirit of God is in you to transform you to become more like Christ. That's his main thing that he does to transform you. But he's upon you in power. Not so, I just get nice goosebumps. He's upon us in power for the blessing of others so that the sick get healed and the power of God and the gospel gets presented and in word and in deed and actions. His power upon us. How long have I been preaching? I think I'm too long. I think I need, to, I need to cut it quickly. I plan it. You know, I planned this at home. I walk, I walk around my garden. I do the preach to myself. It was about 23 minutes. Then I stand up here and I get excited, man. It's about 33 minutes. I'll, I'll try and chop it, right? Okay. Last one, power, not passivity. The earth melts when God speaks. That's how powerful his, his word is. When God said, you know, let it be, they brought the world into existence. That's how powerful his word is. When he speaks, boom. It's powerful. But his acts are powerful. Let's skip a bit. Let's go to this bit at the end. God says, be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Guess what? God's true. He's never a liar. When God says something, he means it. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't know about you, I'm going to take what Jesus said and believe it. I'm not going to take what the enemy says. It's full of lies. But the beautiful thing is this, that you and I get the privilege of co-laboring with him, partnering with God. How good is that? Can God save people by himself? Yes, and he does. God, God appears sometimes, many Muslim, ex-Muslims will, will confess that, that, that Jesus appeared to them in a dream and he told them the good news and they've surrendered their lives to Christ. God, God can do it by himself and he does. But what's the main way God does it? The main way God does it is through his people. He calls us to partner together. And that Muslim person perhaps who's received a visitation from Jesus has probably had other people praying for them anyway. So we partner together with God. What a joy. I don't, I don't sit back in my butt and go, hey, Lord, just come and, you know, touch the people in my street and heal them and bless them and, you know, and bring them to faith in your son, to love your son. I get the joy to be part of that. So sometimes that's risky, man. Sometimes it seems totally foolish when I say to one of my neighbors, would you mind if I pray for you like right now? Oh, okay then. It's, please don't think because I'm really up for this that, that I find it easy. I have to face the same stuff that you have to face. I've got to get over myself. What if they think I'm a loony? You know, somebody stupid bloke who offers to pray for people. Who does that? I don't like that kind of Christianity. I'm used to just going to church, singing a few hymns, going out and saying, have a nice week, see you next week. I I want more than I want to. I want to live it out. So sometimes, I can remember all, in all the years in my school here, all the years I've offered to pray with people. It's not been loads, but only one person said, no, thank you. I've even got a guy now, bless him. I've even got a guy now who came for prayer once and God touched him. And you know what? It's quite funny. If I'm out on duty on that field over there, looking after, watching after the kids, this guy, do you know what he does? If he's got a need, he comes out there. And he comes to find me. Will you pray? It's not because I'm great or God's great. He's awesome. And people who don't know Jesus need to know this is the place to come. You're the people to come to. That's not being arrogant. It's not being arrogant. It's being confident in who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not a nobody. You are not a nobody. You're not an ineffectual waste of time. You are a man or a woman who's been bought with the most precious blood ever and brought into a family to to fight in a war. This is warfare. This is a spiritual war. There's There's a kingdom war here. You've come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus, and now you've got a new king and a new kingdom and a new agenda, and every day you walk to university or to school or wherever you go or to work, you have a imaginary badge. McDonald, ambassador, the kingdom of God. I'm here. I'm here in this room some days. I'm in these corridors some days and I walk up and down this place. I am here as an ambassador of a kingdom that's the greatest kingdom on earth and it will never fade. It will never diminish. It only will get bigger and bigger and greater and greater and greater until one day, hallelujah, one day the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Now, if you wake up 
every morning <laughs> and get out of your bed and you think, that's who I am! That sounded a bit like Michael McIntyre doing a Scottish freedom! You know, you get out of your, you get out of your bed, you know, you know who you are. Let me tell you something. It makes a difference to your day. Oh man, my mind's buzzing. I've got so many stories now going through my head. I sat down in the staff room a few weeks ago and a colleague said to me, Morning, Alistair, how are you? Oh, you're always so blooming happy. It's always, you're, always such, you're always so jovial when you come into your work. And I said to him, well, mate, the real reason is that's because I really know and love Jesus and I just love being here and doing what he's called me to. <laughs> Conversation over <laughs> for a few moments. <laughs> and, then, and then I said to him, by the way, Phil, um, I really mean it. That's the reason why I love what I do. God's called me to do this and I love him. I come to what I worship the Lord my way here. I love being here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes that's the way people are. Listen, I've told you many times before, people of God, you have nothing, absolutely nothing to apologize for. I ain't going to apologize for loving Jesus. I ain't going to apologize for telling people how absolutely fantastic he is. Do you know what? I need to be a good boy. Close the book. I don't know if I'm finished, but here it is. Anne, I'll start with a nice, finish with a nice story about you. Anne came to me recently and said, hey Al, I took one of your wee leaflets off the table and your little gospel of John and she went cycling, as you do, over at Dover Court and she met a fella there called Peter and she was able to, able to give him a gospel of John and a little tract and pray with him. Bless you. That's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Here it is, my last one. I love this. When I was in France a couple of weeks ago, in this wee village place or town, in the town, down the street, they had one of these little book cabinets, you know what I mean? Where you put books in, and everybody in your community can go in and take a book and read it and then put, you know, put other books in. So you share books around the whole community. Well, you know what's coming, don't you? I felt God say, I've got an idea for you. I've got an idea for you. Or I hear it is. So I went and got my wee Gospel of John. I'll share this with you because it's funny. Well, not funny, but yeah, it's funny. It's good. And I wrote this inside the book. Ready? Here you go. In English, by the way. Sorry, Debs could have done it for me in French. But here it is. The reading of this book has the potential to change your life completely. The person of whom it speaks is the most amazing, beautiful person who's walked this earth. Do get in touch if I can help you on your journey to come to know him. The one who has been attentive to you, even though you never realized it. Alistair, al.mcdonald at redeemerchurchcoldster.org. So, if some little French person, or big, big French person, gets in touch with the office, where are you, Becca? If someone from the van in Brittany gets in touch, they must have read my little gospel of John. <laughs> Ladies and gents, on a serious note, that's all it is. Just being attentive to when God prompts you. Just put a wee gospel of John. Hey, neighbor, here's a little gift for you. See if you like this. Let me know what you think. You don't have to be a superstar. You just have to have a desire for his power to be upon you and just live your life in the fullness of all that God has for you. Live as a champion. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean every day, oh, it's a walk in the park. Sometimes it's tough. There's mystery. There's pain. There's stuff that happens. But let's live as the people of God. That's who we are. The song says, doesn't it? I am who you say I am. I've got to stop. But anyway, should we stand together? We'll just, can I invite the band to come back, guys? We're just going to worship God. Can I just can I make a suggestion to you today? A little bit different. 
Shall we just worship the Lord? Yeah. And if anybody's got anything they'd love prayer for, any words that have been shared, come and just find us somewhere. And we've got a bunch of people who'd be happy to pray with you. Okay. Just do that as we worship so we don't make it any longer. All right. Thanks so much.